0: Recorded live at the Hawk's Nest on the Summit in Pataskala, Ohio. This is Garage Days underproduced and over the top. I'm your host, Arch Madness. And none of that is true. Yeah, starting the, uh, starting the new year off with lies. Starting season three off with nothing but lies. Well, ex- except for the, you know, the Arch Madness part. Uh, but I'm here in the QFM studios. I- I'll get back into the garage next week in what I like to call the closed-door sessions. Until it warms up, man, I'm not, it's got to warm up a little bit before I open up the door to the garage. So yeah, I'm calling this the closed door sessions and Bob gets here, flight pattern Bob gets back in April. Now we'll still open up the garage. I got to believe from, from now in January to sometime in April, there's going to be some nice evenings where we can open it up and kind of pretend that it's summertime. I don't, I'm not holding my breath on that. Uh, I have actually, and it's mostly going to be interviews of people call the garage. Uh, but I have talked to a few different bands who say, "Hey, man, we'll come out and do a closed door with you." So uh, I'll try and, and, and squeeze some of that in as well. But this first episode, man, I am—I want to say this was uh, was it's about this is close to a month old. It was a few weeks ago that I got this interview, and I knew right then and there that I was going to save this bad boy. I I put clips of it out on the internet, and I I think we did. um, I can't think of what that technology is or what that program is. We put some stuff up. uh, Anyway, forget it. I don't even want to embarrass myself with what it's called. But it's like a snippet of the interview, and they just send that out, and they put that all over the interwebs, if you will. But anyway, uh, I have played clips of this interview that way, also on the air, but in full form. This will be the first time Uh, I got a chance to talk to Jay Buchanan from the Rival Sons. So you can imagine how excited I was when I got that interview. Thanks again to Mike Dorsey for helping me set that up. But I knew this was the one. This was the interview. This is how I wanted to start off season three. So let's get right into it, man. This dude is intense. I don't get nervous. I really don't get nervous anymore after you've been doing this for so long. But there are times because I'm really into this band. So I was a little like, man, this, this, don't be a dumbass, Arch. And I don't think I was too much, but the dude is intense. And I knew that. I knew that going into this, but it's super duper cool. You guys are going to dig it. And I'll try not to say super duper again this season. Uh, But right now, here it is. Jay Buchanan, the first episode of season three. I've got the singer from the Rival Sons. Enjoy. Rival Sons' new album, Dark Fighter, drops in March of 2023. And you can hear the first single "Nobody Wants to Die" right here on QFM ninety six and on the hotline right now. Lead singer of the Rival Sons, Jay Buchanan. What is up, Jay?
1: <laughs> it's good to be talking with you this morning.
0: You too, man. And I'm I'm such a big fan of the the band and yours. And it's it's funny when I told my buddies that I was going to get a chance to interview you. Like two or three of them sent me uh like the Chris Farley and Paul McCartney meme. <laughs> so, don't 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 blow it, Archie. Is is what they were jiving out there but uh hey where are you man are you out are you out in cali are you in nashville i've i've read different things
1: yeah i lived in nashville for a little over five years but i moved my family back to southern california so i'm out in la
0: gotcha so like with i guess as an artist and you kind of answered it there the the pros and cons of, of living in nashville was there more cons than pros
1: man no, I, I I certainly wouldn't put it that way. I think that I think that all things need to be made to fit, and um, I, you know, Nashville was very, very good for me for the time that I was there. But in truth, it was we were uh, having another baby, and that happened in 2020. And I knew that you know, obviously, we had to we had to get the baby back out to the West Coast to. To raise him around family. Gotcha. I got you, man. So you know that. that besides, I loved Tennessee, but I, you know, for all intents and purposes, I am West Coast to the bone. <laughs> I feel you, man.
0: I've. I don't think uh, I've. I've. I never moved out of Ohio, man. <laughs> so I. I feel you. Yeah. It's. 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 You know, that means a lot, man. Especially when it when it comes to family and stuff like that. And you know, I. I. I do want to talk about Dark Fighter, but. Before we get to that, I mean, I want to discuss the Feral Roots album, and it's it's been forever since I've I've had a record affect me like that one did, and I I know I'm not alone. Two Grammy nominations associated with that record, the writing, the recording, the performances of those songs live. I mean, can you share some thoughts on on those moments when it comes to those songs on that particular record?
1: Yeah, sure. Let me hop in my way back machine <laughs> real quick. Um, Feral Roots was a very special record for us. I think that we took a different approach, uh, to making that record than we had previously. I think that on on previous records, we would just jump into the studio, start writing, uh, you know, put two spiders in a jar, shake it up and see if they fight, you know, like one one of those kinds of, Gotcha. but with Feral Roots, it was a very different approach. We took our time and let things distill in a, in a different way. And I think it was to great effect. I mean that it allowed, you know, for me as a writer, it allowed me to step back and instead of just writing, uh, it became writing with intent, you know, writing with writing with time and being able to step back and, and qualify my statements artistically. And, um, I think that, when I when I go back to the Farrell Roots record, I can hear that. I can hear that transition and that correct turn in the band. And you know, speaking to Dark Fighter, Dark Fighter is is more in that same direction. Dark Fighter is more. Uh, it just has a more epic quality in terms of its uh, the collection of, of songs. You know, I, uh,
0: I I I to say I can't wait would be putting it mildly. Uh, Real quick though, three songs from Feral Roots that I, that I get to play on my show, and and I'd love to throw those songs at you if you could just give me a, a little something about each because I like to play those snippets before a song. It just gives the gives the listener a little extra something something. Um, yeah, let, what do you got? Let, let's start with Shooting Stars. Mm. Shooting Stars.
1: Well, that's a big one. You know that that song in particular, Archie. Um, that one almost didn't make the record. Woo. Big Stars almost didn't make the record, and it's and as ridiculous as that would sound. Um, that's really a message. It's a, it's a message-driven folk song sort of a, a thing, and when, and bringing it to the band, it became, well, how do we make this a Rebel Sun song? I wrote it with um, my, my friend and our producer, um Dave Kahn. So we wrote that song together, and it was really, it became, how do we frame this uh, to be genre correct? You know, we're a rock band. And I think that even though with the Feral Roots album, we were growing in such a way that we were bending the idea of what a rock band is, you know, which is what every every artist should do that, you know. Right. They they should push the – they should absolutely – you know, at some point begin to push the boundaries of their own label. And so, um, but shooting stars, shooting stars was different. There was nothing hard-edged about shooting stars. There was nothing, uh, there was nothing like thundering or rock about the song. And so we had to go through and make, quite a few iterations of the song and they, they kept falling flat, you know, it, it's not supporting, it's not supporting the message. It's not supporting the melody. It's not supporting this. So it's like, it's kind of like the song kept trying on different suits to, to find the right one that fit. And so, um, that was a rough one, but God, I love that song in recording. In recording, I went in to Oceanway studios, uh, down on music row. In Nashville, and we had the Nashville, uh, uh, let's see, the, I believe it's the Urban Choir, led by Shannon Sanders, and he, I got to sing with the Gospel Choir there in Ocean Way, and Ocean Way Studios is an, an old um, church, and so we got to be in there singing with them, and it was electrifying for me. It's one of the greatest musical experiences wow. of my life.
0: Wow. And You know, Jay, when you perform that song live, um, it it just seems like that's that's a moment. It's a connection between you and the audience when you perform that. It just am I I'm reading that right? Right? I mean, because I know I've connected with you when you're you know when you're when you when you're playing that live.
1: Absolutely, you know, the decision to for me to just play that song, just me solo on guitar. I think that. Um, you know, as a frontman for a rock band, there's a lot of noise going on on stage for us. But I think the decision for me, you know, making the decision for me to just play acoustic guitar in the middle of a rock set, um, it's about serving the song more than serving the genre, more than serving uh, a high-octane energy, you know, that a rock show will bring. It's about taking a breath and saying, here you go. You know, we're just we're going to rest here, and we're just going to relax and feel good for a little bit, and then we'll get back to screaming.
0: Right. It's a great moment. It's a great moment in, in the show. I'm glad you like it. Let's uh, let's go to Too Bad.
1: Too Bad. Too Bad is a song I wrote early in the morning. I, I had had this dream. I don't know what I was dreaming about, but I got right out of bed, um, and walked straight over to my studio, and um, I had the chorus and a verse written inside of 15 minutes. You know, you know I had written it on bass. So it was much more of a D'Angelo <clears throat> style, you know, R and B type song. Gotcha. Yeah. When when I when I when I first started, uh, when I first brought it to the band, and then when we got into the studio, making it, you know, obviously making it more of a rock song and Scott had this riff that he'd been sitting on. He goes, Oh dude, I have this riff. It it'll work perfectly on this song. And boy, the song and that riff really go together. Well,
0: Boy, I'll say, and title track, Feral Roots. And, and let me just preface by saying this, that's become one of my favorite, uh, rival Sun songs, but just one of my favorite songs. And you said it, I, I I can't remember if if I if you if I saw it on a, on a live shot or something on YouTube, but at the end of that song, you said, "That's mountain music," and and when you yeah, said it, that, when you said that, and I've talked about this on the air before, and, and quoting you saying that, and it made sense to me at that point. I'm from southeastern Ohio. I'm uh, on the I was born on the Ohio River, Appalachia mountains. I, when you said that, I'm like, oh my god, that's. Why this? It just connects with me so much. Uh, talk about the the title track, "Feral
1: Roots." Well, feral roots—you know—it's in the name. Yeah, you, know, you have wild, you have wild roots uh, that can't be tamed within yourself, and I, I think that for me, I grew up in the mountains. I grew up in the woods, and I think that when you, when you're raised that way. Not that we, you know, we didn't really have money to, for a lot of the things that, you know, a lot of my friends had, and and it's not that we were poor, but we just, you know, we were frugal. But that was never a problem because, you know, I, I, we could leave the house in the morning and go hiking all day, and just pack a little something to eat and bring some water, and just go out and get in some trouble out in the woods. You know, just <laughs> yeah, up, man. Just I around and just explore, explore and doing all of that. And looking back, insanely, very, very dangerous, very, very dangerous. And now as a father, I look at that and I go, I can't believe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I do you that know? daily, and Jay. I do that daily without a doubt. Looking, yeah, looking at it. But I think growing up that way, it never leaves you that peace. Once you, you know, having been afforded the great luxury of of growing up surrounded by nature and surrounded by this peaceful atmosphere, I think that, I think it doesn't, it, it never leaves you. There's a, there's a silence and there is a quiet place within me, even as much as I travel and Archie, I travel a lot.
0: I know. Uh, I I, and, I see your schedule, man, and 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 with you're with you're within four or five hours of us. Me and my buddies, we try to we try to go. I know you guys are just absolute road dogs, man.
1: Absolutely, but um, I think that you know, Feral Roots was was one of those tracks I, um, I put it together, and all I had was the verses, you know, and I had the lyrics for both. Um, I had the lyrics for both. Um, verses. And I had the title for the song. And then I played it for Scott. Uh, while, you know, while I was living in Tennessee, I would flown out to California um, and I was driving <clears throat> with Scott and I played it for him. And I said, you know, what are you thinking or you hear something? And right away, Scott was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I this bet. Is... Yes, definitely. And um, I think a week later, he sent me that pre-chorus, and the uh, he wrote the music for the, um, the pre-chorus and the chorus. The chorus, right away, just all of it. It's like, oh, my God, these parts, they all work together hand in glove in such a, a great way. Um, and I'm really proud of when I'm really – it's so exciting when, in a collaboration, when things come together that way, where they, they fit seamlessly. And I believe that Pharaoh Roots up to that point was um, the very best example of, of Scott and I being able to briefly share a brain.
0: Wow. Well, it's, you can tell, man. You can tell. The, 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 the first single for Dark Fighter, Nobody Wants to Die. And as a Gen Xer and part of the MTV generation, that video, A plus Jay Buchanan. How, how much fun was that to make? It was a lot of
1: fun. I I can tell you this: with um, Scott and I, put our heads together and said, "You know, let's write this." You know, he asked me because you know I'm writing all the lyrics and and um, and collaborating on all of our songs. So he comes to me and he says, "You know, how do you see this?" You know, he said, "I'm seeing kind of like a a desert pursuit. It's all in the lyrics of you know the song." it tells you i said well yeah that's what the song's about so when i wrote it there's a uh, there's a preacher or someone posing as a preacher or something of the like that has swindled everyone and that was on the run and so we put our heads together while we were out on tour and wrote this treatment we volleyed it back and forth and then we had some friends that helped put us in touch with the right um, producer, the right director, whom without, without them, you know, um, the video would have never been made. The, the video would have never happened uh, the way that it did. So we had the help of some extremely talented and patient people. But the video itself was incredibly fun to make. Um, it was filmed primarily out in the high desert where I hung out where i spent my youth because i grew up in the in the woods just you know just three miles from there where i grew up in Wrightwood, california it's right at the foot of the mojave desert <clears throat> and um and so the local bar that we used was, was a bar called the uh, big rock inn um you know and i've been ridden dirt bikes over there and everything from the time i was a kid nice um, but the idea of putting all of this together—I had to, you know—and me writing the preacher character and everything and what his ethos was going to be—a really funny thing happened. We got everything together. We're on set. I've got makeup, you know. I've got everything. It's a—and a, a, then it suddenly hits me. Um, I don't know how to act. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an actor. I'm not an actor. Everything in my life has been about authenticity and making sure that I'm trying to be as authentically myself in every way. And going, wait a minute. But then it it hits you, you know, really quick, like, no, man, this is just dress up and make believe. It's okay.
0: It's a but, different,
1: know. yeah, it's a different form of art, right? Yeah, and it, exactly, it's a different form of expression and art. And uh, we had. The best time. And I think that, you know, you can tell, I think that, that informed us in such a way that it's uh, we're we on to something, you know, and the way that we're going to want uh, to approach our our videos from here on out. I think that we I think we struck a nerve.
0: You sure did, man. Dark Fighter drops March 10th. Uh, a couple quick things ab- about that that record. Was that written and recorded during like, kind of the shutdowns there, or was it? When? What's the time frame on on this album?
1: Jay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well so we started the we started the album writing commenced um, in early twenty, and then you know it wrapped up. Right. Uh, just this, you know, it the album in itself. It's not that it took this long, but we took our time. So we spent nearly, we spent right about two years, which is ridiculous. You shouldn't spend two years making a record, but <laughs> we had the shutdown. Right. We had the lock and everything. So it was like, well, what else are we going to do? You know, so let's, let's take our time with it because we couldn't put it, you know, if we would have gotten it done early, well, it doesn't make sense to release an album in the shutdown. You know when we can't tour it and everything so um we really took our time you know looked at it zoomed in zoomed out zoom in zoom out on what the the overall narrative of of the collection is and so i think that a lot of what was going on during the shutdown you have to understand i mean actually it's it's you know for everyone we all went through this together but we as a nation, we went through a very powerful, um, like a cultural mitosis. You know, there was division, like a new division was being brought up every day. Um, you had so much going on. Of course, first of all, we have we have uh, the virus. We have people getting sick. We have people dying, and then you have the politicalization of the viruses, the virus itself. So then, oh man, and then, you know, then just talk of the vaccine, and then you have the awful uh, murder of George Floyd, and then you have Black Lives Matter, and then you have all of this stuff is being used as fodder for a presidential election. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare situation. And when I say cultural mitosis, it's that every day, you know, across family dinner tables in every home, there were constant lines being drawn. And what side of the line are you on? What side of this issue are you on? Oh, well, if you feel that way, well, I feel this way. And so then there's more and more division. Um, and it was head spin, right? So I think that that had formed a lot of the light and shade aspects of what Dark Fighter came to be. And I think that the The very name itself about being a dark fighter, fighting the darkness. It's specifically because the darkness was overwhelming. The disorientation was was overwhelming. So just like in any crisis, when things get really heavy, you have to constantly remind yourself to not be heavy. you got to constantly remind yourself to keep your head up. Whereas when everything's good, you don't have to do that. But when it gets dark, you got to remember that it's going to be light at some point.
0: Wow. Wow. All right. Well, doggone it, man. All right. I had a couple more, but I don't even know how to add to that. Are we gonna get some more singles, you think, before the album
1: drops, Jay? I believe so. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we're 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 working on things right now, and I'm looking forward to getting more of this music out there. 2023
0: tour plans. I know you guys have more dates with Greta Van Fleet, Whiskey Myers as well. That includes a Toledo show in February. You know, Jay, if you could talk to the powers that be, a Columbus show. I know so many rival Suns fans here in Central Ohio that would love to get you guys back in the capital city.
1: Oh yeah, I'd love to be in Columbus too. Cool man, I love playing. Yeah, you guys got you guys got your own brand of weird out there. We did. I, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, and I think I know who you're talking
0: about. But now I'm kidding. Uh, Jay Buchanan from the Rival Suns, man, can't wait to hear Dark Fighter. Can't wait to see you guys live again. All the best to you and the fellas in 2023, my man.
1: Thank you so much. And we're going to come out there and see y'all as soon as possible. Be good.
0: Well, there you have it. The lead singer from the Rival Sons, J. Buchanan. And what a way to start off season three of Garage Days. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. I told you, man, he's intense, right? How cool was that? Uh, oh, 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 oh. Try to get another one with him before maybe even season four starts. That'd be kind of badass, especially if they come to town. Man, they've got to come to town. I hope they come to Columbus. It sound like it, right? Kind of it's, uh, he, he we have our own brand of strange or however he said that as far as uh, us in Ohio. It's cool stuff, man. But, uh, hey, hope you enjoyed that. Until the next episode of Garage Days, stay frosty.
1: I'll have to check that out.